This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Space Train. Previously on Space Train, Doug and the cadets saved the Gromlers from the perilous laser deadline. Once Grom was free and their precious metals were secured, the cadets sped off into space. But they were intercepted by a clay block ship, captained by Clay Bogan. And now for episode 18, The Academy of Exiles. Clay Bogan's giant clay block ship 
locked onto the space train and pulled it into its cargo bay. As soon as the train's exit doors opened, the cadets were greeted by Clay Bogan and two Clayman bodyguards. Their wet, orange clay skin reflected the bright overhead lights of the cargo bay. Clay, with his slicked back hair and dimpled smile, stepped forward. You guys are just playing hard to get, aren't you? He said through a grin. You look surprised to see me. Go on, say it. You can't believe I'm alive. I can't believe you're alive, Doug said. He'd forgotten how weird it was to see the clay men move in an unnatural claymation stutter. Clay clapped his hands together. I know! I can hardly believe it myself! I never cease to amaze me! <laughs> Dude, you were a crumbly mess when we left you, Dallas said. I was, yes. Thanks to your little stunt, my whole space station dried up and I lost half my team. I would have been a pile of powder myself had it not been for the emergency water supply flown in by the doctor. Is he here too? Goro said, appearing next to the cadets. Ah, the famous Goro. Can I just say that you are a terrible babysitter? Where is he? Goro pushed. You'll see him soon enough, Clay said. I was just en route to take back another load of Gralion for the Academy, and he'll be... Wait, you were behind the deadline on Grom? Lydia asked. It was you who was stealing their medal? What Academy? Goro asked. Clay looked at all of them surprised. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, did this just get interesting. Goro doesn't know about you enrolling in the Academy of Exile? Goro shot the cadets a stunned look. Academy of Exiles? Leo looked at Doug and pointed to Goro, and then held up his hands. You didn't tell Goreman about the doctor's offer? Dallas interpreted. Doug felt like he'd just been punched in the stomach. He hadn't told Goro about the doctor's offer, only because he was mad at him. It was sort of Doug's way of getting back at him for keeping important details about his past from the cadets. But now that Doug saw the irritated look in his friends' faces, he realized what a terrible idea that was. It may have slipped my mind, he said nervously. Captain Colt, what is going on here? Goro asked. Clay Bogan was thoroughly enjoying this. If he were a popcorn eater, he'd be digging into a huge bucket of it right now. Even his claymen bodyguards seemed to be soaking up the drama. The doctor offered us positions at his new academy of exiles that he's building, Doug explained. <laughs> That's one way of putting it, Dallas scoffed. Yeah, that offer kind of turned into a threat, Doug added. He said that if we didn't enroll in his school within a couple weeks, then we'd be... Leo stuck out his tongue and acted like a dead guy. Dead, Doug said. Goro's circuits were going haywire. Why would you keep this from me? I can't... Oh, never mind. You realize that was a couple weeks ago? 
Doug's head shriveled into his shoulders. Has it really been two weeks? Almost exactly, Clay chimed in gleefully. How far along is this Academy of Exiles? Goro asked Clay. Clay smiled. Let me show you. As they walked through the long clay halls of his ship, Clay Bogan bragged about how he'd salvaged what little clay he could from the dried-up comet station and used it to build his new ship. Doug noticed that he'd managed to save several sculptures of himself while he was at it. He probably saved those before some of his own men. They stopped in a round room that had a giant potter's wheel in the middle and a wide window in the back looking out into space. Sitting on the potter's wheel was an elaborate clay sculpture of a building. Ta-da! Clay said, throwing out his arms and puffing out his chest. What do you think? Tell me you've never seen anything like it. I know you haven't. I designed every inch of it myself. In a way, you've all helped me build it. I started this version of the model shortly after I met you. <laughs> I think my baby brother could do better with Legos, Dallas said. What do you know? Clay barked. His orange face turned mean fast. Who are these Legos? I've never heard of that species. Doug and the cadets chuckled. Goro examined the model of the Academy. It looked futuristic, with its sharp edges, perfect curves, and gravity-defying design. I should have known he'd do this, Goro mumbled. He's going to recruit gifted beings who feel rejected by their people. Outsiders looking for a purpose. More or less, Clay said. Then we'll mold them into something truly special. Goro looked at the guard towers with weapon mounts and shook his metal head. You're using Gralion to make the structure virtually indestructible. You're building a fortress. Our student safety is a top priority, Clay rehearsed. We can't afford to have any distractions during the school year. Clay winced uncomfortably as his perfect cheeks started to dry. Flakes formed on his forehead and his limbs stiffened. Quickly, the two bodyguards next to him pulled out spray tanks and hosed him down from head to toe with water. Once he glistened again, he let out a deep breath and continued. <sighs> the Academy will be the strongest ever built. Invincible compared to the pathetic Academy of Wanders. How far long is it? Goro asked. Clay nodded to the back window. See for yourself. Everyone looked and saw an icy moon come into view out the window. They watched as Clay's ship lowered onto the jagged blue surface until an enormous structure filled the lookout. Their jaws dropped. It was enormous, and the tall metal structure was halfway done. Doug thought it looked like a big, shiny airport of the future. Glass bridges connected boxy silver buildings with rounded roofs. Towers with top rooms that looked like big wheels of cheese on a metal stick stretched out in random spots at random heights. Hovering robots that looked like stacked metal stones with arms zipped around the construction site, carrying loads of gralion and soldering walls together. 
Doug thought that the Academy of Wanderers was cool, in an old-fashioned space castle kind of way. But this thing looked like it had all the bells and whistles. It looked slick, expensive, and totally alien in design. He imagined future punk exile students rolling up on their first day in limo spaceships and being dropped off by their mobster parents. You brought us to the academy, Lydia said. The panic was slowly setting in as she realized what that meant. We're here. Good! Maybe they're keeping Blobby here, Dallas said, popping his knuckles. It is your deadline to enroll, Clay reminded them. I imagine a generous amount of kudos will be sent my way for privately escorting you to your first day. Clay found his handsome reflection in one of a dozen mirrors on the wall. Maybe the doctor will name another building after me. Yeah, the spray tan man's science lab, Dallas joked. Clay shot him a menacing look. You'll soon learn to show your professors some respect. Clay's block ship settled onto the moon's icy surface, and a clay ramp stretched out from the exit. Walking with their unnatural stutter, Clay and his claymen escorted Goro and the cadets out of the ship. Waiting for them at the bottom of the ramp was the doctor, floating in his hovering wingback chair, his hands folded. You're right on time, he said in his calm, sly voice. He was still dressed classy despite being on a construction site. His mouth smiled at them through the half that wasn't scarred. I see you've brought with you an old friend, Figaro. Doctor? Goro said, coming to the front of the group. You've put me in a terribly awkward position. My offer was for the young ones, not you. You have no place here at the Academy. Nor would I ever want one, Gora replied, glaring back at him. We didn't come here by choice. We were captured and brought here by that thing. Goro nodded at Clay Bogan. Clay looked deeply offended. At least use my name. The doctor held his smile. Choice or not... The stars have aligned, and you are here. Why don't I show you around? The grounds can be quite confusing in this stage, and I'd hate for you to get lost. But first... He pressed a button, and a handful of hovering robots zipped over to his side. Search the train, the doctor told them. I'm not in the mood for surprises. The robots beeped in the affirmative and puttered up into the enormous cargo bay of Clay's ship and searched through the space train cars. After several minutes, they returned with their report. This is the strangest train I've ever seen, sir, said one of the bots. Sorry for the delay, apologized another. We were stopped and cleaned halfway through our search. Hey! That's my bot bath car, Goro said. Have all the threats been eliminated? The doctor asked. Yes, sir. Although, we were unable to gain access to the caboose. 
The last car was sealed and heavily protected. The cadets looked at each other. The doctor turned to Goro. What are you hiding in there, Goro? It's storage, Goro answered. Mainly junk. I've been meaning to clean it out, but I've been too busy dealing with your team of misfits to get to it. The cadets resisted the urge to look at each other again. They didn't want to make Goro's lie obvious. Doug quickly relived their terrifying encounter with the tentacled beast. A big part of them wanted them to get the door open to unleash that thing. It would probably give them a chance to escape. The doctor smiled and wagged his finger at Goro. You've always got something tucked up your sleeve, Goro. He waved away his bots. Leave it for now. On with our tour. The doctor turned his chair and floated towards the school. Goro stopped the cadets. Just go along with it for now, he whispered. I'll try to think of a way out of this. The doctor led the cadets, Goro, and the claymen into the main building. Metal and glass walls zigzagged up a hundred feet in the lobby, where they were greeted by a fountain with the Academy's metal logo rotating in the air above the water. The majority of your classes will be held here, in the Isaac K. Poniper building. The doctor pointed to classrooms on either side of the grand hallway that were being finished by hundreds of the hovering robots. Doug watched as the liquid metal walls changed shape to display different images of starscapes and alien worlds, with big words above them like strength, courage, authority, respect, progress, dominance. He also noticed a black path that ran down the hall in front of them and stretched up various walls. What is that? Doug asked, pointing to it. The doctor looked. What, that? That is the magnet belt. Go on, stand on it. Doug looked at Goro to see if that would be a good idea. Goro nodded at him. Doug walked over and stepped onto the black path. As he did, he felt an invisible force hold his feet to the ground. Whoa, he said under his breath. Just as both feet were situated, the belt path zoomed off. Doug cried as the path slid through the halls in a blur, passing by classrooms and working bots. He covered his eyes as it came to a wall. How had he been so stupid? The doctor was going to pancake him against a wall! But he wasn't flattened. When he came to the wall, instead of being slammed into it, the bell curved up and pulled him up it, holding onto his legs. The magnet path's pull somehow managed to keep his body stiff and horizontal as he climbed. Finally, after he'd screamed his brains out, the belt curved up and over onto the 50th floor, and he was vertical again. Doug found himself in a large open room, full of tables and chairs. All along the sides were restaurants upon restaurants, with every junk food imaginable. There was a station dedicated to deep-fried everything. Another one with big glass cases full of rotating, slow-cooking meat. At least a few of the stations were dedicated just to dessert, and a handful had alien writing on their signs that looked like they served some really whacked-out stuff, like skewered winged octopus creatures and candied fur on a stick. A giant glass tube in the middle of the cafeteria had a swirling whirlwind of candy, 
tumbling and twisting as colorful lights illuminated its tantalizing dance. The place made the space train's cosmic cafe look like a food court in a dying mall. Bring him back! Doug heard Lydia's voice say far behind him. The belt path jolted again, and this time it was going backwards. Back and back it went, pulling Doug until he came to the ledge that dropped 50 stories. Oh, no, 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 no. Vroom! His stomach twisted as he was pulled backwards over the ledge and carried along the wall, down to the lobby where the others were waiting for him. When he slid to a stop in front of the others, he was catching his breath and his hair looked like it had been stuck in a shop vac. What did you think? the doctor asked. Doug mumbled some words that he thought were English. Wait until you try doing a handstand, Clay mused. It's wild. <laughs> stop, just stop it, Dallas interrupted. He looked at the doctor. We don't care about your fancy school, bro. The only way you're going to force us to go here is if you turn us into robots. The doctor rubbed his chin. Hmm, now there's a thought. Think we could make it happen, Figaro? Goro scowled at him. Where's Blobby? Dallas asked. I thought you'd never ask, the doctor said. He's here, safe and sound, and he's yours as soon as you sign the enrollment papers. Dallas clenched his fists. Take me to him. Clay and the doctor led them down a suspended bridge. Through the glass floor, they could see a canyon of jagged ice far below. Doug tried not to look down. Imagining the floor cracking and shattering made him woozy. A few more turns after the bridge and they came to a hall full of glass cages and aquariums. All were empty, like an abandoned reptile exhibit at a zoo. They came to a stop in front of the only occupied case, a glass enclosure no bigger than a closet. Orange splatter marks covered most of the view through the window. Dallas ran up and pressed his face against the only clear spot. Blobby! he shouted. Inside, Blobby was jittering in the corner of his cage. His orange gelatin body whipped around at the sound of his friend's voice. When he saw Dallas's face smashed up against the glass, he bounced off the floor and splattered against the window, chirping excitedly. Oh, I've missed you so much, Blobbert, Dallas said, still smushing his face. Have they been bad to you, huh? They feeding you enough chocolate? I'm gonna get you out, okay? Blobby chirped and chirped, wiggling and jiggling against the glass. The rest of the group waited quietly for Dallas to have his moment. This is strange, isn't it? Clay said, adding to the awkwardness. Finally, Dallas peeled his face from the glass and stepped back. Closing his eyes, he started taking slow, deep breaths. Doug immediately knew what he was doing. He was going to chill out so he could beef up and smash through the glass. Ah, 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 the doctor said. There'll be no big Dallas in here. He pressed a button on his chair and loud music blared from the speakers in the room, instantly breaking Dallas's calm meditation. 
Right, right! Dallas shouted, covering his ears. The doctor pressed another button and the room went quiet again. I told you you'd get him as soon as the paperwork is signed. Clay was generous enough to give him up, and this will be the one exception I make to the no-pets policy here on campus. We'll just consider the blob to be your service animal. Dallas clenched his teeth. He's not an animal, and he belongs to me! Clay stepped in with his usual smug expression. Now, technically, he belongs to me. You stole him from me, remember? He was your prisoner. I broke him out. Clay raised his chin high. Who's to say he wasn't my pet? Aren't most pets kept in a cage? Dallas pointed at him. You better hope I never chill out in here, Spray Tan Man. Because when I do, I'm going to squish you into a ball and throw you out into space. The two locked eyes. Clay held his smile, which had hints of both amusement and disdain. You have quite the fire in you, Dallas, the doctor said. That's good, that's good. We can use that, but it'll have to wait. Come, I have one more room to show you all. Doug noticed Goro typing into the buttons on his arm when no one was looking. Any plan yet? Doug whispered to him. Goro kept typing frantically. I'm working on it. The doctor took them down a few more halls until they got to a tall copper door. A tiny camera bot unfolded from the wall and scanned the doctor's face. A green light blinked and the door slid open. As they stepped inside, the cadets froze. There in front of them was a long metal table and sitting around it were the exiles. All of them. Clay took a seat at a tall clay chair. Next to him, sitting on a booster seat in an even bigger chair, was Jojo Mijo. Even in this setting, his tiny buff body and huge blonde Elvis hair made him stand out. Next to him were two well-dressed cavemen, the Turbo Twins. And at the far end of the table was Glitzy Diva, who didn't even bother to set down her mirror purple lipstick to look up at them. Two camera bots floated around her, capturing her every move. Doug thought he saw her glance at Leo out of the corner of her eye, but Leo was avoiding eye contact. Leo looked extremely uncomfortable. It's not possible, Doug mumbled. How are you all here? We defeated you! The exiles looked at each other and then burst into laughter. The familiar scene suddenly registered with Lydia. She remembered seeing this in her vision. All of them, here, at the table, laughing. Her heart raced. She knew that important things were happening. I've seen this, she whispered to Doug. This? Here? Do we make it out? Doug asked. I don't know, Lydia said. What's going on, Doctor? Goro asked, making the group calm down. This should look familiar to you, Goro, the doctor said. This is a faculty planning meeting, 
and you've all been invited to participate. Why? Doug asked. And why are we here so early? Your school isn't even done yet. The doctor brought his chair to a high hover so that he was eye level with Doug. Doug could smell his strong, musky cologne that smelled like the doctor had dipped his pocket square in the stuff before folding it back into his pocket. Because, Douglas, I wanted you all here early so that you could be part of the process. He looked at the group. You're not just here to attend my school. You're also going to help me build it. The cadets looked at each other horrified. The doctor relished their shocked expressions. You'll all prove incredibly valuable to the process. Doug, your building skills will cut our construction time in half. Dallas, your heavy lifting will do the work of twenty of my bots, no doubt. Leo, your computer skills will make the brains of the Academy the most advanced system the universe has ever known. And Lydia, your prophetic gifts will help us avoid pitfalls and errors in the organization and design that could only be foreseen by someone who can see the future. Goro and the cadets were speechless. I'll figure out what I'm going to do with Goro. I'm sure his parts will come in handy somewhere down the road. He looked at Clay. Once the kids are settled in... Disassemble him and find out what we can use. Bring his conscious crystal to me. No! Lydia cried. I've seen what will happen if you do. You will all be destroyed. The doctor's face twitched. You're lying. Am I? Lydia taunted. The doctor studied her eyes. Doug looked at Goro, who seemed surprisingly calm. The doctor smiled at Lydia. You're clever. Using your gifts for deception is something that we can teach you to master. Yes. He looked at the rest of the cadets. My bots will escort you back to your train, where you will retrieve your things and be shown to your dorm rooms. I'll send for you when it's time to eat. The doctor pressed a button on his chair and the hovering robots came and took each cadet and Goro by the arm. As the door slid open behind them, they started pulling the group out of the room. Oh, in that train, the doctor added, it'll serve me well when it comes time to round up future students, especially those who aren't as willing to join the ranks. The copper door slid shut in front of the doctor's menacing grin, and the cadets were taken back to the space train. By the time they reached the cargo bay of Clay Bogan's huge clay ship, they were surrounded by dozens of the hovering robots. Goro, I've never seen you this quiet, Lydia said. Please tell me you've thought of something. Leo looked at him with pleading eyes. Doug could tell he wanted to be anywhere other than stuck on this icy rock with Diva. Goro looked around the immense cargo bay nervously. There is something, my dear. Uh, well, now would be a good time to tell us what it is, Dallas said. Goro kept looking over his shoulders. Goro, what is it? Doug asked. 
Hey, where's the train? One of the bots said. The cadets looked and the train was gone. A loud whistle blew and everyone turned as the space train came swooping into the enormous cargo bay entrance, full speed. Boom! It dove and smashed through the group of bots in a shower of sparks. That, Goro said. The cadets cheered as the space train spun and curved, crushing every bot in its path. Tiny laser blasts from the bots' cannons easily deflected off the train's armored shell. The train's whistle blew again. Halt! The last bot ordered. Kaboom! The train smashed into it head-on, and the bot exploded into a million bolts and pieces. Slowing its charge, the train whirled back around and came to a low hover. The doors hissed open. Jump in! Goro shouted. No! I'm not leaving without Blobby! Dallas cried. We'll get him, Dallas, but now's not the time. Please, Dallas, Lydia said. Dallas gritted his teeth and then jumped onto the train along with the others. As soon as the door slid shut behind them, the train blasted out of the cargo bay and left the icy moon behind. Down below, the doctor and his exiles came hurrying out of the academy. They watched as the train faded into the stars. I'll send an entire fleet after them, one of the Turbo Twins said. The doctor smiled. No rush, he said. They're flying right into her path. She won't let them get far. Doug and the cadets came running into the cockpit to see who had saved them, ready to gush with gratitude. But the seats were empty. What the heck? Who's driving this thing? Doug asked. Goro? Lydia said, looking to their robot conductor for answers. Goro looked at the controls and back at them nervously. It, it must have gone into autopilot. The space train has an autopilot, Doug said. I, I guess it does, Goro replied. Rocketeers. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Space Train, which, of course, is a production of the Purple Rocket Podcast. I want to take a second to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, for proofreading these stories. And I want to thank all of you for supporting the podcast, for tuning in every week, for sharing it with your friends. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your support. And I'm excited to wrap up this season of Space Train here real soon. And just adds up, everybody, we've got a new series premiering next week that is probably geared a little more for our younger audiences, but hopefully will be enjoyed by everybody. It's an interactive podcast, and I'm super excited about it. So don't forget to check in next Monday for a very special premiere episode of our new series, the Knights of Spatula.
You guys are awesome. This is your host, Greg Webb.